Rigo podcast coming at you from Batirigo Studios in Dallas, Texas. Hi. Hello. It's been a while. It has. It has been a while. It's been what, two, three weeks? I know. I felt kind of bad about it. Man, we go and we say, hey, we're going to start taking our time on these and not releasing every week. Maybe we'll go every other week. Turns into like once a month. Right, right. We fully intended to do one um, last week, but I got sick and I literally did not have a yeah, voice. That's true. Like it was not physically possible for me to do this. And then after that, I was doing and like 14 were, hour days. Right, you had a I was huge out of town. Deadline. I was out of town and then 14 hour days. And then I was out of town again. Hey, but we're back. We're back, baby. We're back. One night only. Well, for this podcast. We'll see how, we'll see if we get it next week. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? We've got, we've got a busy rest of October. Hey, we explained last time. We told people October's a busy month. Well, life is just very busy. Life is busy. October's busy. I wonder if everybody else has a busy October. I don't know. I feel like October... Why is October? Is it just people are trying to get stuff done before the holidays, you think? So there's there's two different things that I think that's part of it. I think it's the beginning of the last quarter of the year. So there's that aspect where right. everybody's like, oh, no, we need to get all this stuff done. Right. But I mean, talk, even from like a mom perspective, like the moms are busy, too. It's true. But I think everything kind of runs on that schedule. So like trying to get everything done ultimately is a trickle down, I think, from the business world. So everybody's trying to get stuff done so they can kind of chill during the holidays. So ultimately, like, that slowly goes into everybody's families. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe I'm making this up. But that's my thought. Fun fact is if you're in the DFW area, you've been probably experiencing what we thought was tree sap yep. literally everywhere. Like we were tracking it in, stuff was getting stuck to our shoes. I used it as hair gel on Jake one morning in a pinch. Really? Yeah. Well, I found out and it's been confirmed. I had someone confirm it. It is not tree sap. It is aphid poop, which... Is fascinating to me. Someone called it honeydew to where, like, praise God, why can't I poop out honeydew? Like, what a <laughs> great little, like, you aphid shall poop out honeydew. But did I tell you that the second I told Jake that, he then ate it? Yeah, you did tell me I was that. Like, why? It's messed After up. After I told you what's it was wrong poop, with him? You didn't try to eat it any of this other time. When I said tree sap, you were uninterested. No. But when I said it was poop, you ate it. The funniest part about that. I was thinking, I don't remember when, but I was thinking, you know, with all of this tree sap coming down out of these trees, they are essentially crying because there is so much of sap in them. Why not try and tap these pecan trees and make pecan syrup? Well, I don't think it's like, because all trees have tree sap, right? But some is edible and some is not? Well... No. So the reason, the way that all that works, the way that you get maple syrup is you are harvesting the sap when you have freeze-thaw cycles and essentially the the tree naturally wants to flow a lot of sap. 
And then it's the sugar content within the sap that makes it, I guess. Tastes good. Yeah. Does it. So all of it is edible. Does it hurt the tree that we're taking the sap away from it? No. As long as you, as long as you do it in a sustainable way. I know that's a that's a very vague right, comment, as but long as you don't strip it. Dry. Yeah, like you wanna you wanna stick to like a you wanna do I think a maximum of four taps, and that would be four different seasons. So you only do one tap per tree per season, and even then you would like do that four seasons in a row on one tree, and then you would come back to that tree later on you give it a few years off. So it's not a, and no, that one tap does not hurt the tree. Cool. Yeah. Well, go try to tap our tree. Well, it's, it's aphid, aphid poop. poop. It's not sap. So it's not sap. Then it really, the more I thought about it, it actually wouldn't work because the freezing and the thawing is one of the big, big reasons why. Yeah, it doesn't freeze. So, I don't know if it would just be like a different, like it would just continually flow a little bit. I don't know. All that to say, we're not getting pecan syrup. Well, and I think we can wash our car now because I think the aphids, they've calmed down. Yeah, it seems like they have. They've ceased pooping. I don't know where, don't ask me where they've been. Do you want to hear a fun fact about aphids? I would love nothing more. So... Aphids, they, they're kind of a pest in gardens, but because of their their honeydew poop, ants will actually farm aphids. So if there are I love that. If I there's love an ants. area where ants I guess want a sweet food source, so they, they like will actually bring in aphids and like pl- put them on plants that are kind of near the, the ant colony. They'll let them kind of grow up and start their own aphid colony, and then they'll come and start eating them. That is the most psychopathic thing I've ever heard, and I love everything about it. Yeah. Yeah, who who would have thought? Man, ants are the best. They're so smart. Except when they're all over our kitchen. Do we have more ants? No, we don't. Oh, okay. But, like, that's when I don't like them. Right, right, right. Or when they're fire ants and they're biting me. Like, I don't like that either. Right, right, right. It's not that fun. Well, let me paint a picture for you. Is this a visual picture or are you going to... No, I'm telling a story. Tell the story I'm and telling then you I'm for the painting audience. it You mentally. already are aware of half the story. I'm telling you for the audience. Earlier today, you and Jake were at the park. I was laying on this fairy couch reading my book. And then I started hearing a noise. It was a familiar noise, but like strangely loud. And it began to get louder and louder. And it was an airplane sound. And we get quite, we live pretty close to the love field. And so we'll get a lot of airplanes. But I was like, hold up, hold up. To the point where I threw my Kindle across the room. And I, like Joe, I know I was telling you this earlier, but it was the loud, it was so loud. And it sounded like, like think of every 9-11 clip you've ever seen. Like that is what it sounded like. And I was like, you've got, like, this cannot be happening. And I ran out to the backyard and I saw the trail, like the cloud. They're not called chemtrails, right? No. <laughs> That's just what people. That's the conspiracy right, theory. Right, they're not what, chemtrails. What are they called? 
They are the clouds that are made from the exhaust. Okay, the condensate. Okay. It was so close. Like, so, so close. And it was huge. And I just kept hearing this loud sound. And I couldn't figure out where it was going. But it looked like it was going down at an angle. And I was literally just, like, waiting to hear, like, a massive crash. And I was like, my, the first thing that went through my mind, I was like, is someone trying to, like, fly a plane into, like, the state fair? Because I, I thought it was going over there to the state fair fair park area. And I was like, but then I, then, then I didn't hear anything. And I was like surely I'm not that much of an anxious person <laughs> to where I've made up this entirely in my head. And so I just went back and continued reading multiple hours later. I am on Twitter and I follow like Dallas, Texas news or ever. And a small, like four person airplane landed on a highway, not far away from here. And so I wasn't crazy. It was a plane and it was not doing what it was supposed to be doing. I felt so validated in that moment. It was a crazy sound. I don't understand why this isn't more like insane to you. You're just like, okay, whatever. I think I wasn't here to experience the sound. It was crazy. But imagine me standing, running out to the backyard, like staring up in the sky, like freaking out about a plane possibly landing in my backyard. Yeah. That's what happened. I wonder how often that happens. Not you running out (laughs) in the backyard being like, where's the plane? But how often does a plane land on a on a random strip of, of road. I, not now, in Dallas. Now, do you want another fun fact? Okay. Was that a rhetorical the, question before you? Do you know how often? No. Oh, okay. No, it's a different fun fact okay, about fun fact. planes landing on on roadways. Okay, go ahead. Do, yeah, do you yeah, know yeah. this fact? No, I do not. So, the interstate highway system, who built that? I think I do know this fact. Who built it? I don't like know, who, but it's the dimensions so that a was, plane can land. Yeah. So Eisenhower, post-World War II, that is when you had the bulk of the interstate highway system built. So these are roads like I-55 near us. We have I-30, I-35, I-45. Feel free to fact check me on no, this. No, I think they landed on interstate but highway. The in all of that building... And this may be a rumor, but I'm pretty sure it's true. As part of all of that building, every mile or so, or not every mile, but every certain number of miles, there has to be a set like distance that is a straight line that is essentially oh. a runway so that if there are any type of military... Right. Problems or military um, There's a place needs, for them to land safely. They can all land pretty much... Anywhere. They have the opportunity, like, anywhere they can end up landing. Okay, well, they... I have information on it. They landed on Keist. Keist? Keist? Keist. Keist? Is it Keist? I thought it was Keist. Okay, I don't know. You, you Yankees speak different. Uh, anyway, K-I-E-S-T... Okay, Kais, Boulevard, between Loop 12 and Spur 408. So where is that? I don't know where Spur 408 is. Kais Park. It's in Oak Cliff. Spur, wait. Yeah, I feel like that's over by Ferguson. 
Anyway, I think it flew past our house and headed down south. Anyway, we have information on it. It was... Uh, oh, it lit between... It, Kais Boulevard between Duncanville Road and Spur 408 in Dallas. Uh, it was a multi-engine DA-62. The pilot experienced engine problems, struck a power line, and a road sign before landing on the roadway. The aircraft left Winston Field en route to Dallas Executive Airport. It was a hus- It was only two people on board, a husband and wife. Neither were injured. Only, only damage was some utility lines down and a speed limit sign mm. that was struck. Well... Kind of makes sense. I'm sure he was not doing the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was a fun little yeah little afternoon for me. Yeah. Do you have any other good stories that I might be able to pull a fact out for? I would love nothing more for you to pull a fact out of this other one. This is kind of like a a catch up, not a, a follow up to story that we've featured on a okay, previous great, post. Great, but it. It like uh, I saw it on um, Instagram and I was like, I can't not talk about this because I'm just so fascinated about it. Yeah. Um, Our patients aren't dead inside the cryogenic freezing facility with 199 humans on ice. Mm. Anyway, what's in, we already talked about this, but what's interesting about it is one, they show a picture of a body in a chamber so that's kind of interesting. And then I haven't watched it yet. But I guess a, they can because he's not dead. They also have, she, they have a child. They have the, the youngest. She's a cancer patient. Hear me out. You have to be dead to be cryogenically frozen, right? Or do they freeze you before you're dead? No, I think you are are in fact dead. I think they... So they... Not only do they think that... That a doctor's in the future is going to be able to cure the cancer that you're from, but you're also dead. So they think we're going to figure out resurrection. Yeah, I guess so. Because but so that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you're dead, it, you're so dead. When it, so when it comes to resurrection, one people have come back from from like a certain period of time flatlining. Jesus came back after three days. I mean, that's, that's different. <laughs> We're not going to just start pulling people out of death, but. Well, and let's give Jesus credit where credit was due. He like, resurrected himself. Yeah. Like he, that's different, but that the resurrection part, not the resurrection part, the resuscitating part, I think is, is almost, almost easier well, because, like, if you defrost them... Like, that, I think, is the harder part. But then they're dead. So when, when, at when, what point do you start the reanimation process? I don't know. When they're fully thawed, and so thus adding time on to their death? I don't know about that part. I, wanna, I don't think they so, thought So, a fun fact about that. Oh, my gosh. Not about the cryogenic part, but about the cancer part. One thing that one thing that was recently published on in some animal research study was that antlers on on things like deer and elk antlers grow at a faster rate than cancer cells. So now there and and the the most interesting part about that from a cancer standpoint, I can name a lot of things that grow faster than a cancer cell. 
but not like cells Grass. in the human body. But or antlers cells, are not in the human body. Cells within a living mammalian body. Okay. So these are these are the fastest growing. Are you telling me that we're all going to have antlers to fight cancer? No, no. But where the scientists are going with this is that these are things that essentially grow faster than a cancerous rate. But then in these in these uh, animals in the deer, they essentially shut it off at the end of at the end of the growing season. And eventually the antlers fall off and all that stuff. But the fact that they can tell their body when to start growing antlers and then when to shut it off, being able to shut off something that is growing faster than cancer, they think that there may be, this is essentially the hypothesis, that they have some type of control enzyme mechanism in their body. And if we can find that and pull that out, and potentially turn that into a drug, we could start using that to, instead of fighting cancer, we essentially just like tell the cancer cells to stop growing. So it's almost like because deer... Until you stop taking this pill. Maybe. But isn't... I mean, there's a lot of those kind of drugs. Like the HIV drug is something you take for life. So, I mean, that... Is this a CRISPR thing? No. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about like CRISPR. This. I think this is going to end poorly. People growing antlers? I just think that turns into, like, a bioweapon real fast. In what way? Like we're going to spray the entire populace with this enzyme, or whatever you want to call it, that allows us to tell something in their bodies to grow. Or to not grow, or to stop, or to not stop. I see what you're saying. Now that the way you're explaining like, it, I feel like the trial and error. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of risks in this trial and error process. Like, what if you accidentally tell the cancer to go faster, and then your yeah. patient dies? Yeah, like that could you be bad. Start over. That, that could, could be bad. Be bad. <laughs> could Unless be bad. they're really interested in being Unless they're stage four. frozen. Unless they're and like so far along, <laughs> unless no, unless they're so far gone that it's like, hey, listen, this is your terminal. This is experimental. You're either like be put out of your misery faster, or you'll live. Yeah, longer. something like that. But I think it's interesting from that regard that there might be a way to tell cancer cells to stop growing. What I'm really interested in is there's a uh, one minute, 34 second video on this article that shows you how someone is cryogenically frozen. Oh, really? We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the... Anyway, I'm really... Oh my God, here's another body. Oh God, this is crazy. So many bodies. 199 to be exact. Anyway, sorry. I, I want to know, is um, there is there a specific cryogenic company that advertises themselves as the most sustainable because this takes a lot of energy a lot of probably a lot of nitrogen because that's probably how they're how they're cooling all the bodies overall it just it's not a main goal no but 
if you're trying to save, well, so there's two different aspects to this. How long is this going to take? Is this going to take a hundred years to figure out if it's going to take a hundred years, then you also need to be considering how is the climate going to be different in a hundred years? Is there anything that this specific cryogenic company is doing to help the environment so that I don't come back into a wasteland or so that the earth itself is not gone and I've lost my opportunity simply because nobody else was caring about the earth. So therefore, you should put your money where your mouth is. Hear me out, hear me out. What if we cryogenically freeze the earth until we can figure out this issue with climate change? Well, you know, if the earth <laughs> feels like that's the thing it needs to do, it's going to do it. The earth is going to cryogenically freeze all of us. <laughs> If it decides that's the way to go. But, you know, I don't I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't think we're ever going to go snowball Earth while we're here. So what's snowball Earth? It's like, it's an ice age. That's what... Speaking of snowball Earth, we recently watched the most recent final... Uh, uh, final installment of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World... Yep. It was so bad that I can't stop thinking about how disappointed I am with that movie. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've moved on. <laughs> I watched it. It was a thing. It, but here, it I've was, moved on. It was like so, so bad. Like unredeemably bad. I. Like I've been trying to convince myself that there were some good parts. I don't. There are no good parts of that movie. I think the 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 only part that I would be upset with and maybe this is a spoiler but it's been out for a while so like you can go watch it I would be upset that Blue doesn't end up like a like a house pet like I want Blue to be living that's the spinoff that's coming out I want Blue to be like a dog living with what's his face Owen Owen and Claire yeah, like I want I want Blue to just like be hanging out, playing like a dog, playing fetch every once in a while, like, oh, I'm going to go hunt. You know, that that is actually their relationship sort of in the Lego version of the Jurassic World movie shows things that Jake watches on his tablet. Like in Dominion? Or like? No, like in the Lego TV, like the Lego Jurassic Park TV shows. When Blue is still like a little baby. It's okay. It's not a baby, but it's more playful and more like friendly. Well, one that's Lego. So I think it, it would be, uh, it makes sense. So you want a new movie to be even less realistic than no, the crap I'm not, that was. I'm not interested in a new movie. I just, I just wanted to be. I just wanted Blue to be like, you know, a little more homey. <laughs> like, you know, just a little more docile, just like hanging out, like being like. Critic wants, uh, requests Blue to be more homey, please. Wanted her to be like, you know, she keeps coming in to save the day in every other movie. Like, now what is she? Now she's just like, just some wild raptor kind of hanging out. You know, it's almost like everything about it. This may be a, a little tangent, but now it 
So feels. you're not over it, are you? No, I'm just now that you brought it up, I'm right. like thinking Old about wounds. it. It looks and feels a little bit like White Fang in that <laughs> in that they're kind of in a they're in a mining There's or snow. they're in a lumber right. lumber town up in the northeast. They're there's this wild pet and this wild pet is like wild, but at least in White Fang, there was a bond and there was a, a trust and a loyalty. And you see that same trust and loyalty in the first two installments of Jurassic World. In this last one, that relationship is different. Hmm. And that I feel like is, eh. it's like they were just okay, whatever. To do too much. It's like it's the it's when I was trying to collect the first three Jurassic Parks. I actually love because we own the, the first third. three. The third Jurassic Park of the original trilogy is fantastic. I freaking love that movie, and it's because it has nothing to do with the environmental. And again. We love the earth over here. We are environmentalists ourselves to the point where I'm sure people get annoyed with us. But the third movie is so fantastic because it doesn't do that. Because in the second movie with Jeff Goldblum and his like adopted daughter or whatever is kind of environmentally for my. It's like save the animals kind of stuff. Right, right, right. And so I thought they were going to be following that same formula because for Jurassic World, it was very similar to the OG Jurassic Park. Everyone loved it. Did very great. Jurassic World 2 or whatever, 5, Forgotten Kingdom or whatever, was very save the animal-y. And like, we can't use them as pets or weapons and like whatever. Very much like the Jeff Goldblum one from the past. And so I was like, great. Dominion's going to be very much tracking with the third arguably second best Jurassic Park film of the franchise. And it was even more environmentally save the animals than before. Like unnecessarily. So the giant grasshopper thing, I was like, where is this coming from? Which if it was a different non Jurassic Park movie, I would kind of be here for it, but it was just like all over the place. Anyway, I digress. I'm very upset about it. Yeah, I don't know where they were really going. they're not going to make any more Jurassic Parks, and they just made that crap movie. Yeah, it's okay. They didn't have Tim. Yeah, what's up with that? Where'd they, they get go? Tim. He's still an actor, too. They could have grabbed him. Why weren't what's they? What's-her-name doesn't act anymore. Why didn't they show up? I don't know. Maybe they couldn't fit them in the storyline, which is laughable since they fit every other, like, random gimmick in it. Anyway. They fit a lot into those storylines. a ton into the storylines. So much. Did you know that Sam Neill, um, Dr. Grant, is like 20 to 25 years older than Dr. Sattler in nope. real life? I did not so know that. So in the original Jurassic Park, she's like 21 years old. Oh, wow. And he's like 40. That is crazy. Anyway. I do want to comment on one thing. Okay. We've been talking a lot about the environment. This is true. But to your point, we do like the environment. We like the environment so much so that our sponsor, not sponsor this week, <laughs> is one of those companies who is trying to kind of save the environment. It's not really their their 
primary goal, but what they do is they take wasted heat and they turn it into electricity. That's cool. If you haven't caught on by now, I'm talking about... Is it your own company? Electrotherm. Oh, Electrotherm. By the Blitzer Group. Oh, Wolf Blitzer? Oh, wait, no, not Blitzer. Bitzer. Oh, I was about to say. The Bitzer Group. Are you sure sounds, it's not Bitzer? I don't know. It sounds German. I'm not German, so. But I appreciate what they're doing, you know, trying to trying to take that wasted resource and turn it into something useful. This isn't relevant to anybody who <laughs> listens to our podcast, but... We needed a sponsor. But that, that's our sponsor this week. Well done. Not really our sponsor. Unclear why it's a camo hat, but we'll You go know, with it. I appreciate their camo hatness. Especially because it's, it's a desert storm. It's desert storm digicamo. So this is, it's, that's the, the name. It's like digicamo. And this. Why is there digicamo? It is. So there, there's a few different things. When you're thinking about camo, right? The, the whole idea is that you blend in right. with the surroundings. The camouflage. Now, we all know. By God's great design, there is a pattern to the madness of this world that is above and beyond our our simple mind's ability to fully comprehend. What does that have to do with camo? Well, as, as people who focus on that have looked at it and studied it and have brought in things like data science and pattern recognition, and understanding of how different animals visually see things. They've started to like pull out more of a scientific way to build camo patterns, as opposed to just putting on a bunch of blobs and mixing colors. Right, but from like a military perspective, like can the enemy not see you with the digitized version of the camo? Okay, so two different things there. Like when you're looking from a pretty far off distance, mm-hmm. those those little digital blocks digitized. aren't going to be yeah, they don't look as as pixelated. So that's one aspect to that. But this was actually in in my perspective and I may be wrong on this, but this is one of those first ones that really tried to start bringing in the data science and the almost the science behind why camo works and trying to turn that into a better camo pattern. So the digicamo is like some of those first attempts of instead of just being random blobs, they're actually trying to say, okay, what is the most scientifically best way to hide our personnel. Now it it's all pixelated because it is a low resolution and they don't, it wasn't fully built up yet, but it, it was kind of the start of new camo. And nowadays most of the camo that is like the highest highest end camo and the new camo that the that all of the armed forces use it's all based on based on different algorithms and basically trying to trick your eyes so that 
even though the pattern itself doesn't the pattern itself doesn't necessarily look like you're standing in a bunch of trees and right, brush, right. but the pattern physically camouflages you almost like those magic eye prints. Cool. Look at that data scientist. Yeah. Like doing something. But I also want to say one thing, all these people always trying to give me hats. I want to call out everybody, all of our sponsors out there, all of our listeners. I need to make a confession. I don't wear any of these hats. <laughs> I've got... We should probably get rid of some. I've got about a four hat rotation that I wear. And that's it. So all of these hats that we've been getting for sponsor, not sponsor, they all just sit in the closet. With that, we're going to make a major change. For the sponsor, not sponsor, from now on, I want koozies. <laughs> just... It's the not koozies, sustainable. The koozies are not, <laughs> they're much smaller. They're easier to handle. And when you have like 20 people over, why not have 20 koozies? Right, they'll get a koozie. Yeah. And then they can be parting gifts. Like if people want to take the koozies, they can. So we're going to switch over to koozies. While I was gone the past the past two conferences I went to, I actually got a lot of new sponsors. So whether that's the next five months of sponsors or the next five weeks of sponsors, I don't know, but we'll find out. So we got plenty of sponsors, plenty of fun stuff to talk about. All we don't have is plenty of time. What we don't have is time. So we may or may not see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you when we see you. Okay. All right, well, but here we're going to go. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.